Thank you. Thank you. Am I on? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I just want to just take a minute and just thank the Lord for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. I thank you, Lord, just how awesome you've been to every one of your children. And I thank you for the healing that's taking place in people's bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Um, it's kind of funny. I was One of the nice things about studying is you get to studying other things. You know, I get on rabbit trails. When I was preparing for Sunday's lesson, covenants got stuck in my head, and I kept reading on covenants. I had to keep going back to my lesson. And it was, it's a lot of information about covenants. And I, but I kept... I kept kind of saying, I might teach about it, but I felt like maybe someone else can get something out of this. And uh, it's kind of funny, because you get to thinking in your natural mind, man, in, in Bible college, which was a long time ago, <laughs> you know, we took a, a class in, I think it was Wendell or somebody who talked about covenants. And of course, I couldn't find any of those notes anywhere. But he took it was more than one night he covered the covenants. He went in a lot of depth. So I'm not going to go into a lot of depth about the covenants. We're going to get some basics. And, of course, there'll be scripture to back it up. And uh, it's so hard because when you start reading, then you, my mind wants to go on a rabbit trail. But we're not going to keep you here all night. <laughs> Praise God. So, um, so we're going to look at the different covenants and... And I alluded to it on Sunday, you have your conditional and your unconditional covenants. And, and the definition itself should be pretty much explanatory. A covenant has conditions means that you have to do this for God to, do the, you know, to, to provide the blessing. An unconditional covenant is something that God has said he's going to do for his people. And, the, and there's not a requirement. You have to do something. And I hate to say there's not a requirement, but there, there's a... <laughs> There's mercy with the old requirement, I guess is what I want to say. Because there's always something you have to do in a covenant. And um, so the first covenant that we're going to look at is, uh, is the Edemic. And now when you look at covenant, some people say that you have, they, they roll the, the, the Adamic into the Edemic uh, um, um, covenant. But I wanted to take a look at what happened when God set up Eden. And that's why I chose to share that, because you can kind of see, based on what's happening, God is, is providing these covenants to, keep, to give people hope, to keep them on track. And also, there's threads of Jesus throughout every covenant. And there's threads of his promises and who his people are. So we'll start off in Genesis 1 and the 28th verse. And it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that, that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose, whose fields, uh, who yields seed, and to you it shall be for food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given them, uh, I've given every green herb for food. 
and it was so. So this was after creation, and he's getting ready, he's, gonna, he's putting them in the garden. And let's go ahead and just skip to Genesis uh, uh, 2, starting with the 15th verse. And it says, then, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep. Tend is work. There is some work involved to tending. To tend and keep. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And so some of the high notes of this promise or this covenant is that the covenant was made between God and Adam. He was told to be, he was told to be fruitful and multiply, so something was required. Man was given dominion over all living things. Uh, they were vegetarians. No blood had been shed at this point. And man had to work. However, it, it was easier because the land was fruitful and the land was, 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 was good land. Um, and the, the only thing that was for, forbidden for him, the only law in a sense, was you can't eat from the tree of, of, uh, of knowledge of good and evil. And if you did this is the qualifier, then the penalty of eating the tree was death. So I want to point that, so that's, that's what's kind of happened in the Garden of Eden. So then after they ate of the fruit, then I'm bringing in the, the, the Edemic covenant, and we'll, we'll pick that up in Genesis 3, starting with the 11th verse. And it said, uh, uh, and he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And then man said, this woman who you gave me, you know, she gave me the tree, and I ate, you know. And the Lord said, woman, you know, and of course she passed, and I'm like, oh, it was this, <laughs> oh, it was the serpent, you know, he tricked me. And so, so God addressed the serpent. <laughs> he, uh, uh, let, me, let me back up once, and we'll give it a little more foundation here. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all, all, all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall, you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and, and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall, bruise, uh, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply you, your, your sorrow in conception and in pain, in, um, uh, shall bring in forth in childbirth. Uh, uh, um, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And then, then, he, then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face shall, shall, you, you shall eat the bread until you return to the ground. For out of the ground you were taken, from dust you are, and dust you shall return. So this, this covenant addressed all three. <laughs> he addressed the servant with Satan, he addressed Eve, and he addressed Adam. So uh, and the serpent, we read, was cursed above all the other creatures. The, the intimate, there was enmity between Satan and the woman. Uh, this hatred was 
cumulative. It, it, it grew between Satan's seed and woman's seed, which woman's seed was the Messiah. And Satan's seed, it said Satan's seed would bruise the heel of woman's seed. This happened at the crucifixion. And, um, and God promised victory over Satan's seed when the seed crushes Satan's head. So some things have taken place. So when you look at a covenant, some, some things haven't taken place yet. Some things take place in the future. A lot of these things took thousands of years to take place. And, um, and the woman, you know, things happened for the woman was there would be pain in the childbirth and in conception. Uh, her husband would rule over her. Adam, the land was cursed. It, 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 would take, you know, uh, it would take hard and exhausting labor to produce now because of, because of this. Plus, there would be thorns and thistles um, there. And physical death was introduced at this time. So this is what happened in that. I'm, I'm, I know I'm giving like little bit of bullet points of what happened, but this is an overview. Hopefully, to encourage you to read a little bit deeper in, in the different covenants. So the next covenant we're going to look at is the, the Noah Noahic, I don't say it right, Noahic, you know, covenant. And we're going to pick that up in Genesis 9, starting with the first verse. And it said, so, um, so God uh, blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. They had to because everybody had been killed except for his, you know, his eight family members. Be fruitful and multiply. And, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth on every bird of the air, on all that moves on the earth, and all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Now it's food for him. Uh, I have given you all things, even uh, as the, the green herbs, but you shall not eat the flesh of life. That is its blood. Surely if your lifehood, lifeblood, uh, surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. And, and, and we'll skip to verse 6. It says, so whoever sheds man's blood by man's blood shall be, shall be shed. shed, shed. <laughs> shed. Uh, so basically he's saying, if you kill someone, you're gonna, you're gonna, you'll be killed. And go move to the 8th verse. It says, then God spoke to Noah and, and his sons with him saying, and as for me, behold... I will establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I will establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by water of the flood. Never again shall a flood destroy the earth. And he goes on to talk about the, the, the rainbow being a, being a sign of the covenant. And, um, and so the key points in this covenant is that it, it was made between God and Noah and Noah's descendants. Yeah, man was given dominion over all animal kingdom, and man was a vegetarian until this point. Now is when he started to include animals in his diet. It's scriptural. I like my meat. But uh, capital punishment was also introduced at this time. You know, when, when Cain killed Abel, there wasn't capital punishment at that time. So this is the first time that we read of capital punishment, or that I read of capital punishment. Uh, God also promised he would never destroy the world by flood again. 
and, and once again, the, the rainbow is the reminder of that. And then we're going to spend a little bit more time with the Abrahamic covenant because it's, there's a lot more involved with that, and I've got a few more scriptures with that, I think. But we'll pick that up in Genesis 12 in the first verse. And it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country. Now, I think one thing I want to point out is we don't know really anything about Abram at this point. This is the first time what we hear about him. I mean, the previous chapter, it just said who his father was, and then boom. So this, this, this Abram was told to get out of his country from your father's family, from, from your family and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will establish you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we'll skip down to Genesis 13. Now, I know this is a lot of scripture, but I, want, I think it's important to kind of put things in order. But in Genesis 13, starting with the 14th verse, he says, And the Lord said to Abram, After Lot, so this is after Lot had separated, so, so lots happened since then, Lift your eyes now and look from, this, from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could, could number the dust of the, the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through it, through its length and its width, for I give it to you. So he's wanting Abraham. You know, there's another thing that's happening here, not only with the promise, God gives hope. It's encouragement. Covenants are meant to encourage us, to keep us on the path. And we're going to pick it up in Genesis 17. And this is, a lot of time has passed by because this is, you know, it says in 17, the first, when, when Abram was 99 years old, and this is after he's talked to him about a child. This is after him and Sarah tried to work out something, you know. This is after he got scared and lied about who he was to the kings to save his own flesh. A lot had happened, but God, once again, reminds him of the covenant. And it's kind of like saying, you're human. You made some mistakes. I am God, and when I promise something, I do it. So, hey, let's kind of... Let's just shake it off and let's start over. I love it that anything that we're going through in life, tomorrow is a new day. You make a mistake, tomorrow is a new day. Our past mistakes do not define who God has called us to be. Our past mistakes do not disqualify us from what God has, call, has called us to be. So back to the scripture. Um, uh, so he was 99 years old, and God appeared to Abram and, and, and said, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as, far, uh, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. 
No longer shall your name be called Abram. It's kind of like saying, young man, young 99-year-old, you're growing up. It's time to be a big boy. It's time to be a man and step into, into your promises. Anyway, he called it Abraham. Your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make a nation for you, and kings shall come, to, come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. And, you know, and, and it's, it's encouraging. We want our blessings to go on to our kids. Now, he lived you know, a lot longer than that. If you told me that in 99, that would bless, it bless socks off me now, but even more so when it was getting closer to 99 or 100 years old. He said, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger all the land of Canaan and everlasting possession, I will be their God. In the ninth verse it says, And God said to Abraham, As you and your as you, as you you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generation. And this is the covenant which I that you shall keep between me and you and your descendants. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So that was the requirement. He didn't say, you'll be circumcised, but if you mess up, I'm going to take it away. But there was that qualifier in there, and you shall be circumcised. And it goes on to say that if you, it's anyone at the age of, 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 seven, of eight, day, eight, years old, eight days old, and if you purchase anybody, so anyone you bring into your house, they, they need to be circumcised, and if they're not circumcised, then they're not a part of the covenant. They're not a part of God's people. So the way that you were, so that, was your one, that was your one thing. And, and I, that's, that's why it's considered an a, a unconditional covenant. It's interesting, it doesn't say anything that's required of the women. But the women had to make sure their babies got circumcised. And that probably was, you know, it's not a, we're so used to it, but that was something new back, you know, back then. And uh, let's go ahead and, and we'll go ahead and just go in and talk about, uh, pick it up at verse 15. And then um, in that same chapter, chapter 17, 15, and it says, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, uh, but call her Sarah, <laughs> shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. And then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of, uh, uh, kings of people shall come from her. And then Abraham fell on his face, and he laughed, and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is, you know, 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to, to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before us. And God corrects him and says, Then, you know, God says, says No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you know, not, not this thing that you, you created, <laughs> that you did. My plan all along was for Sarah. And no, she is going to be the one that's going to be bearing the son. And you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for everlasting covenant. And with his descendants after him. And as far as Ishmael, 
I've heard you, and behold, I have blessed him, and I'll, I'll make him fruitful, and, and will uh, multiply him exceedingly, and he shall begat twelve princes, and, uh, and shall make him a, a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, from Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. So this covenant, I said, you know, it's, it's called an unconditional covenant. It had just one condition. But once you've met that condition, there, you, you, the covenant was never removed from you, from, from him. So circumcision was required for every male. As, a, as we stated, uncircumcised male children, uh, if, if, it was, if they weren't circumcised, then they'd have to be uh, uh, cut off because they weren't a part of the people. The provisions in this, this covenant was that they'd be a great nation that would come out of Abraham. Uh, he promised him land. He promised, he promised to bless him greatly. Uh, his name would be great. He would be blessed. Abraham would bring blessings on others. Uh, those who bless Israel would be blessed, and those who curse Israel would be, uh, be cursed. Now, that, that, was just, that, was, that was just saying that the people that mess with Israel, they're going to either, if, they, if they're good to us, they're blessed. If they're bad to us, they're not. Um, Abraham would receive a son through his wife, Sarah. Uh, he was told that his descendants would go, uh, also at this time, and we didn't read it here, but in this, at this covenant time, he was told that Israel would uh, uh, come, uh, come forth out of Abraham, and his name would be changed from Abraham to, you know, we, we talked about that, and, and the name changes. So in, in, in Exodus... Um, there's a lot of information there that talks about this particular covenant. And in, especially in, in, in Genesis, there's a lot more scriptures than we're looking at right now. It's very good to go into the Old Testament and read through because it's good to have the history and kind of know, okay, who came from what. Not the stuff about who begat who, who begat and begat and begat, but what happened, and that's what the covenant kind of gives you a timeline of what happened throughout history. So the next uh, covenant we're going to look at is the Mosaic Covenant. And that's the one that, that uh, <laughs> a lot is in Exodus. At this point, we're only going to look at one scripture in Exodus. But this covenant is covered in 22 chapters of, the, of Exodus. So it's, it's, it starts um, um, from, uh, in, 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 in 28 chapters in Deuteronomy. So it's 50 scriptures. In my Bible, it's like, you know, 50, 65 pages. And I don't have the, the big print. You know, it's a regular print Bible. And um, so basically, if you're looking at Exodus, it's covered from, Exodus, from chapter 19 to 40. Then Deuteronomy was chapters 1 through, through 8, if you want to look at that. Um, and this covenant is between God and Israel, with Moses acting as Israel's represent, representative. But I do want to read in Exodus uh, a few scriptures. And we're going to pick it up in 19, starting with the third verse. And it said, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from, from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, And tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you as eagles on wings, and brought you to myself, now, therefore, if you shall indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. 
For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the the people, and he laid before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. And then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the word the words of the, of the people to the Lord. Now this covenant is between Israel and God and Israel. It's not between the Gentiles or the church. This is a covenant between God and Israel. Later on they're grafted in, but this is a covenant between them. And in Psalms, I'm going to skip the Psalm scripture, that basically it just re- reemphasizes that the, the covenant wasn't known to the other nations. That and the promises weren't for them. They didn't even know of God in some of those nations. But this covenant was called the Law of Moses. Now, we think of the Ten Commandments, but there was actually 613 commandments. That's why it took so many chapters. They covered just about anything that anybody, you know, would do. And um, it, prob- it promised, you know, blessing for obedience, curse for disobedience, you know, uh, like 300, you know, over 300 were negative commandments, which were things that were forbidden, and about 250, 240 of them were positive commands, which is things that you should do. Um, this was a conditional covenant, which meant they had they would be blessed for obedience, and they would uh, and there would be judgment for disobedience, and that's why all the laws covered all of that. Um, you know, they had blood sacrifices t- to make atonement for sin. Um, it added the death penalty to some of the sins, such as idol- idolatry, adultery, cursing God, cursing parents, breaking the Sabbath, uh, uh, pre- uh, preaching witchcraft, among others. So if you did these things, we, you know, we, we, we've read about how kids were stoned for being disobedient. That sounds really hard. That's a harsh covenant. Um, and, and so they, they continued to practice circumcision. And this is when they started to observe the Sabbath. So from Adam until Moses, the Sabbath was not um, practiced. And um, it, it, be, it began with Moses. And it was a day of rest. It wasn't a day of worship, but it was a, <clears throat> a day of rest. And there was rules and regulations for that day. And if you were caught working... Um, you were in trouble. But they did have offerings, burnt sacrifices, and things of that nature. So as long as you didn't do one of the bad sins and get killed, then there was hope for you that you could atone your sin um, through um, a sacrifice. And the next um, um, covenant I want to talk about is, some people call it the Palestinian, or it's the land covenant. Basically, this covenant was primarily concerns the land that's centered around Palestine. But since now it, there's not a, 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 a biblical Palestine, they referred to it as the land covenant. And uh, you know, once the covenant was made, is made between God and Israel, the same two parties, you know, as the, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was um, a reaffirmment of, the, of, the, the, of Mo, the, the, the law of Moses and those promises. Moses spoke prophetically of Israel's future disobedience to, to the Mosaic law or commandments and her subsequent scattering over the world. 
So what this covenant did is it said, okay, my people are going to make a mistake, and this is what's going to happen when that mistake happens. They're going to come back, um, and it speaks of the various facets of Israel's final restoration, like, you know, Israel will repent. They'll regather. Um, they will possess the promised land. Uh, uh, their enemies will be judged. And lots kind of, um, it's kind of salt and peppered through there. But it, uh, Israel will receive a full blessing, and the Messiah is going to return. So it, it covers all that. So the importance of this land covenant is to reaffirm God's promises to Israel. That was the whole purpose, is to kind of, because we're talking, we're not talking about a couple of weeks. We're talking about years that go by. <laughs> and, he's, and so he's just reaffirming what he has said before and encouraging his people to stay on the course. The next covenant that we're going to cover is the uh, uh, David covenant. This is the one he made with David. And it's in First Samuel, in Second Samuel, sorry, the seventh verse, starting with the... Uh, the twelfth, uh, seventh chapter, starting with the twelfth verse, and it says, when, uh, "When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your father, fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body. I will establish his kingdom. I will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be the father, and he shall be my son." And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the, the rod of men and with the, the, the uh, blows of the, the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established. And let's go ahead and just skip. We'll go to Chronicles. And, um, and it says, it says in the Chronicle, First Chronicles 17, the 10th verse, and it says, Since the time that I commanded judges over, uh, over my people Israel, also I have subdued all of the, your enemies. Furthermore, I will tell you that the Lord will build you a house, and it shall be when your days are fulfilled. Then you mu- uh, must go and, and dwell with your, and be with your fathers. That you will, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be forever sons. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and his and and and, and he shall be my son. And I will not uh, take uh, my mercy away from him, as I took it away from uh, him who was before you. I will establish him in my house, in my, ki- in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. So in this covenant, it was between God and David, and it states that the Messiah is going to come from, this, from, from, from David's uh, family. Uh, and it's going to be established forever. forever. And what's kind of unique about this is before this, they, knew, they didn't know where the, which family the Messiah was going to come from. They knew it was going to come from the tribe of Judah. They knew it was going to come from Judah. But now they know that it's coming directly from David. And it's his son that's going to build the temple. You know, David couldn't build the temple because he had blood on his hands. And so his son, he had built the temple. And now, da-da-da-da-da, you know, 
We're going <laughs> to 30 minutes to get through all those covenants. Now we're going to talk about the new covenant. And the new covenant is mentioned in the Old Testament. It's mentioned you know, several places, but we'll pick up uh, the, uh, in Jeremiah 31, starting with the 31st verse. And it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will, that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach uh, his neighbor or every man his brother, I guess teach them all the different laws and regulations, you know, to know, to know God. For they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will, fortif- I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. And now we're going to get into some New Testament scripture, and then we'll discuss this new covenant. So in Ephesians 3, 5, starting with the fifth verse, it says, Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has, as, as it has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit, well, holy, that, that, yeah, that Spirit of his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the covenant promised in Christ through the gospel. And then in Ephesians 2, the 11th verse, it says, Therefore remember that you are Gentiles in the flesh. You are called uncircumcised by what is called circumcision. So the Jews, you know, the Jews knew their promises. The Jews had a problem with the Gentiles being a part of this. And... Uh, we've all read about how God had to correct Peter and, and uh, Cornelius' house, how it just fell upon them. So it was, it was, it was, a plan for, it was always a plan for the Jews, but it, it wasn't exposed until to, to this time and season. But uh, pick up the 12th verse. It says that, let me see, that at that time you were without Christ. That's talking about our people, you know. Uh, aliens from the, the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who he made both one. He has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that to create in himself a new man, from two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So in this covenant, in the new covenant, it is an unconditional covenant. There is one condition. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, so I, I don't know why they call it unconditional, but it's, it's not that, I guess it's not that list of rules and regulations that you have to do. But in, in this covenant... You know, he, uh, he promises regeneration of Israel or the, or the rebirth of Israel. He promised that God uh, will forgive sin and, and have a close relationship with him. 
he promises to make Israel and have, uh, uh, he, he made, made the promise to Israel first, but then he extended it to everyone else that would come in through, through Jesus Christ. And it shall come to pass that everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's in Acts 2.21. Jesus sealed this with his own blood. No longer were other sacrifices required because he sealed it with his own blood. And there's no need uh, for other, you know, um, for, um, other sacrifices. Um, everyone, everyone is offered salvation. Now, not everyone receives it, but everyone is offered salvation. And I want to point out that a lot of people think that the New Covenant is, it is better than the law. I can't imagine trying to keep track of 613 different rules and regulations. But there is something required. You know, um, uh, you know, God said that I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God. So now, no longer we're looking at a book, we're looking at what God has written in our hearts and written in our minds. It's a heart connection. Before, the law dealt with what people could see. God deals with what's inside. And that's one of the differences in, in the New Covenant. Um, as I said, we've got that heart connection through Jesus Christ. We stop sinning because we love God and His goodness. It, you know, we're not just stop sinning because it's, it's a rule, because we're afraid to get caught. Um, we have a personal relationship with God. And when you have a personal relationship with somebody, with something, you're accountable to that thing. If it's marriage or if it's friendship, children, you have an accountability to them. And when you love someone, you want to spend time with them and you want to bless them. So there's more involved with the relationship because for one thing, you've got to spend time with them and you have to and, and seek out ways to, to bless him. And you know, if you're not concerned about spending time with God or asking how you can bless him, you need to check your heart. The same way... If you don't want to spend time with your husband or your, or your, or your wife, you've got, to get, you've got to dig in there and find out what's going on. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, so that's what the Word does. It gives us, He writes it on our hearts so that we can be washed with the Word and so we can learn what the Word says. I love the fact that, you know, Andrew had a, had a conference and this lady you know, got saved. She was so excited. She went up there. She was so excited. She was not dressed appropriately. She was cursing because she was so excited. And one of the guys was going to come over and correct her because you can't have this heathen that looks like, you know, lady of the evening or whatever she looked like come up there and, and espouse these things. And, and Andrew just, kind of, no, no, no. The next year when he went back, she apologized for what she did. See, God... Put it on her heart. See, when God does something, that's where the change comes forth. We want to fix people. God, and we don't know, we see a symptom. We don't know what the problem is, and we'll get it wrong. And it's so easy to want to correct. You know, uh, you know the, the, the new covenant is about relationship. Now, you can have one person that, that goes to church every single day, every day it's open, and the only reason that they're going, 
you don't know this, but the only reason they're going is to be seen so that people know they're there. There's a heart issue there. If you're only going to church so that people will see you going to church, you need to get before the Lord. God, but God's not going to kill you. Go before the Lord and say, hey God, Lord, what's wrong with my relationship? What's going on here? Why am I feeling this way? You know? You can have someone else that's fighting tooth and nail to get to church and doesn't get to church as much. Well, you as the person sitting on the front row, not meaning you people, can look back and say, oh, you know, Johnny comes here every time. You don't know what's in Johnny's heart. Susie doesn't get here as much. But Susie is studying the word, wants to be there. We don't know the condition of people's hearts. See, the enemy wants us to look at the outside so that we can discourage people. God looks at the inside to encourage his people. Throughout history, he reaffirmed, and and like I gave you scriptures about the covenant, but they're repeated over and over again. Well, why did he have to repeat it over and over again? Because people got a little bit lost along the way. People made mistakes. And the enemy is right in there to say, oh, you blew it, so therefore God's not going to use you. And God comes in and he says, this is my covenant I've made with you. Today's a new day. That's why it's important for us to get before the Lord because he can encourage you and have a specific word that is specifically for you because he knows how you were raised. He knows what wounds you had there and he can deal with the issues with you if you let him. Um, So I want to encourage people. Get before the Lord. I know it's important to read the word. Yes. But it's important just to talk to the Lord. It's important just to say, I, you know, know, we have wonderful teachers. I keep thinking about what Noju taught. The thirst. If you're not thirsty, get before the Lord and say, why why am I not thirsty? What's standing in the way? You know, am am I drinking something else I shouldn't be drinking? Um... You know, if we, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, you know, sin is an issue because sin can draw you away from the Lord, but sin was covered at the cross. It's forgiven. The problem with sin is it blitz, it opens the door for the enemy to come in. That's when you get in trouble. You know, Song of Solomon talks about the little foxes, and um, the little foxes what spoil the vines. See, it's the little things. You know, we sit there and we say, okay. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing these big sins. I'm okay. But the little foxes is every little thing irritates you. Every little thing that my spouse does. Every little thing my boss does. My kids. Whatever it is. The other drivers. You know, it's so quick to say, that guy cut me off. What a jerk. And the truth of the matter is, the guy probably didn't see you. But we automatically, in our heads, play They're doing this because they want to hurt me. You know, someone cuts in front of you. Those selfish people, you know. Yeah, there may be some selfish. They didn't see you. Is anybody in here really wanting to hurt somebody else? We don't come to church thinking, hmm, let me see if I can tick off Joy today. Now, I have to say I've said some things that have offended her, and I'm thankful she has come to me, you know. And uh, But that's not my heart. It's not, it's not my heart to offend somebody, but I don't know the condition of your heart. 
So I could say something, and to me, it, because of the condition of my heart, it's no big thing. But if I say something you know, to you, your condition might be a big thing. I'll give you an example. I was getting my uh, getting wallpaper put in my house, and it was so funny. I, I had this, uh, she was, I don't, I don't know what nationality she was. She may have been Vietnamese. She was a small lady when she saw me. And back then I wasn't as, I was more slender, but she saw me. And she looked at me and she goes, and she just said, how did you get a husband? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? She wasn't saying, I'm going to tick off this big old lady or this big young lady at the time. You know, she just didn't understand how a, a, a large, tall woman could get a husband. And it was so funny because when, when Mark came, he's 6'5", she goes, oh, I see, oh, you know. I chose to think that's funny. And I've told that it's so funny because she was just so serious. How did you get a husband? You know, there's things I could get, you know, it's funny, I went to get my nails done one time. And the lady, the first, back, back in the day, back when I was, you know, 30-something years ago, and that's before you had fake nails, you had the massages and you had the painting. And this woman, she goes, oh, you got such big hand. Big hand. And she goes, look, everybody, look, 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 you know. And then she goes, I charge you double, you know. And then they say something in their tongue, you know, you know. And I, I, I went to there, I, I went there for years because the woman was as sweet as could be. She just never seen a hand as big as mine on a woman. <laughs> you know, I could choose to get offended by that. You know, but it was just so funny I couldn't get offended by it. But you know what? Had I been teased throughout my life about being tall and having big hands, my heart may have been in a different con- condition. So as a church, we've got to be careful, you know. Now, if you come up to me and you come on my hands, I will not get offended because I've told you this story, you know. But you don't know someone else who has smaller hands than mine may have been teased their whole life. And you got to kind of be, just be careful about what we say, um, even in jest, because we don't know the condition of someone's heart. And if you see something happen, you can always apologize. And if someone does offend you, the best thing, most offenses take place because of miscommunication, because someone doesn't know the condition of your heart. They don't know that they're pouring, they're pouring gasoline into a fire that the enemy started years ago. And you can have a, a fire get rekindled throughout your whole life. And we've got to be careful because all curses were covered at the cross. All offenses were covered at the cross. Everything, God took care of everything at the cross. But what we do, we, we just go on the other side of the cross and we just build a little bonfire there and we take everything that Jesus had, had squenched and we put fresh new fodder there to, to build a flame and be offended again. I know I'm making light of this. But the new covenant, like the song said, there's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom. We have the Holy Spirit and we have the power you know, in, in all the other covenants, people did not have the strength to fulfill those covenants. This covenant, we have the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to stay in that covenant. Gives us the power to not let the little foxes in. When we talk about little foxes, I want to point out there's a lot of innocent little things. I share with you, letting, it, it, sounds, it sounds little, but... 
wasting groceries. That's the little foxes in your, fi- your finances. Um, staying up too late and watching TV. That's little foxes towards your health and your, your life. Um, uh, choosing to uh, take an offense. It seems real simple. It's a little fox. Getting focused on someone is doing the outward, what an outward man is doing is a little fox. There's all these little bitty things. It's the little things that get us. Most people don't get tripped up by the big things. A little thing is you see someone of the opposite sex. They're pretty. They're handsome. I want to go spend some time with them. The little fox is a thought. Then you let the little fox bring some more friends. You start thinking about it, and the next thing you know, you're putting yourself in a dangerous situation. That's, that, that's with, with adultery. That's with anything. You think it's okay. I remember, you know, talk about a heart issue. When I first got born again, I was raised Catholic. In Catholic, we drank. You know, at first, and and at, at the major events, we had a keg of beer. Or, or, or some cheap beer. You know, we had, we had beer. We drank. That's what, that's what we did. And when I got born again, no one's... You know, and so when I got born again, I was in my 20s. And what you did on the weekend, what'd you do? You drank. And we went on a regular basis. I had, I had three roommates. We would invite people to play, play games and drink. And I was sitting there, and I didn't know anything about anything. I had just accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior for a very short period of time. I hadn't even told my roommates. We're having this party, and I go to get me a beer, and something in me said no. But I wasn't strong enough, and at that time, apple slice was the same color as beer, so I poured apple slice in my mug. No one knew what I was doing. No one asked me why I was winning the game. No no one asked me anything, but... No one told me not to get drunk. See, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And, that's when, and then later, when I had more strength, I was able to go to my roommates and say, I, I don't want to party anymore. And you know, it's funny. One of my roommates said to me, well, because at that time I also didn't want to live with them anymore. The lease was up. It was a great time to separate myself from them. And I had to actually move across town to, to, to shake off one of them. But because um, when you're friends with someone for life, to say to them, hey, I can't live with you anymore because you are just uh, awful, you know, you're, you're detrimental to my relationship with the Lord. I, I, but, uh, but I remember talking to her, and she said, when I told her, I'm not going to go to any bars anymore, and I'm not going to do these. It's a good friend. Just telling me what I'm going to do. She just, oh, well. If you want to see me, it's going to be at a bar. Praise God. That's how I got out of my life. She's the one that blew that, you know. Praise God. I wasn't strong enough at the time. I knew I couldn't go to bars anymore. But, but see, God will place something in your heart. And then when he knows that you're strong enough to deal with things, then he, the, Holy, he, the Holy Spirit knows everything. And he will let you know when's the right time. And he will walk you through the landmines of life. Life has a lot of landmines. And, 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 and that's why it's so important. If we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we will not see the other junk. And, and it doesn't mean that you're, you're, you're being stupid because you don't see the foxes. 
what happens is you're on the train to Jesus. You're on the train. You're, you're, you're going this way. And you're just, that little dog is nipping, trying to catch his wheels. But it's going to give up after a while. You don't have to worry about those things if you're focused on Jesus. But if we stop focusing on seeking his righteousness and we stop and we look around, we will see all the offenses and we'll see all the problems. And I just want to encourage everyone, you know, to seek the kingdom of God first. And you can do that before your, your spouse. You know, when I first started to start seeking the kingdom of God and putting time away to do that, my family threw a fit. If I'd go in my bedroom and watch TV, no one bugged me. But when I started spending time studying the word, they would come in the room and ask me questions. And I'll never forget one time, Ruth yells to, to, to my husband, she's, she's reading the word again. <laughs> because there was something that she needed. See, the enemy was able to use her, you know, and like, you know, and you have these little kid back, Mommy, I need you, you know. And I was feeling guilty. Because here I was, I was being so, because I could hear them talking. I was being selfish. And, and it hurt my heart. And I went before the Lord. And the Lord said to me, put your relationship with me first. And you'll have an abundance to minister to them. My relationship for years was suffering with the Lord. Because I never put him first. So I shocked my family when I did that. They went into like, you know, breakdown. But not only did I have an abundance for them, it was strange. The neighbor kids started coming. I had more time and more abundance, not just for them. It doesn't make sense. You don't have time, so you put more time in sitting with the Lord, and somehow you get an abundance of time or an abundance of strength. That's what the Word says. Seek the kingdom first. And all these things shall follow. So we'll go ahead and close right now. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, if I covenants are confusing, if I left something out, or if, if I miscommunicated something, I just ask, Lord, that that it doesn't lead anyone astray, that they'll seek you and, and, uh, and get it right in their minds and in their spirit, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that the veil was torn in two, and we're a part of your family and your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen.